What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time in the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm gonna have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith. Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some pixie dust all around and think that happiest thought for the 250th time. That's right, today you're hearing episode 250 of the Neverland podcast. This is quite the milestone. I am quite surprised I made it this far. <laughs> you know, I didn't know how long I'd be doing this. I just thought, you know, I'm going to dive in. I'm going to keep going. And I never would have guessed that it would have led to 250 episodes plus a potential career uh, with the contacts I've made and the education I'm, I'm still receiving and I'm about to graduate with. Uh, this has been a life-changing uh, event of my life, I guess. There's nowhere else, no other word than event, I guess. But 250 episodes, not counting that there are a few bonus episodes that I'd done, uh, like the first and second season, uh, when there would be a convention or something and some audio would be released about upcoming Star Wars movies, that kind of thing. There are a couple of bonus episodes that happened early on, which I haven't really done in the middle of the week. But yeah, 250 episodes... And I want to go ahead and remind you all that if you don't want to hear the advertisement, you probably heard at the beginning of the show or might hear one in the middle. However, it's working. It's kind of random where these advertisements and every time you download, you get an advertisement. If you don't want to hear any advertisements during the show, feel free to go over to our Patreon page and become a subscriber for as little as a dollar a month. You can get your own RSS feed without any ads whatsoever. Otherwise, continue to hear an ad, and if you're enjoying the ads, then that's great, because, you know, I gotta make sure this podcast is paying for itself. Uh, But also, today, I've gotta tell you, we're having so much fun. 
Oh, and oh, before we get to that, did you know that we have a shop? And remember a few episodes ago, we were talking about Unicorn Pee? You know, it's it's a parking lot in, in Animal Kingdom. We do have that as a t-shirt. We have all these other shirts. You can find our shop if you go to NeverlandPodcast.com and go into the shirt. Uh, so you can find a t-shirt for whatever you're wanting. We even have some of the old Evil Land from back when uh, I was taken somewhere else and a ghost host took over the show for an October. If you haven't heard that, go back in time a little bit and listen to it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I got stuff coming up for this October. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm planning a whole new year. There's all kinds of new stuff. We're, we're about to go into our sixth season, and this has been quite the experience. I don't think I'm even near done yet. There's so much more to do. But anyways, we're going to have a lot of fun this episode because Eric will be here to give you some news. You all know Lost Boy Eric. If you don't, it's because this is your very first episode, and we welcome you. So he'll be here, and he's went and dug up a whole lot of different news and things going on at the parks. Me, myself, I went to Toonfest in Marceline, Missouri, and I recorded all kinds of audio, and I, I take you on a virtual audio tour with a couple of flashbacks from that first season where I went to Toonfest, and I talked to... Uh, uh, Jim Payton and also to Inez Johnson. Uh, great conversations, and I'm going to put those audios, I've put them in appropriate places and have a great tour of Marceline uh, in a virtual sense. So that's all going to be a lot of fun, but we also have some business to get to. We put up a poll this week up on Twitter, and I shared it onto our Facebook fan page and to our group page, and I put up the question of what is it you prefer, because remember, Eric and I were talking about this last week, so it's either I love vinyl, give me digital, you want a CD and digital, or I still have cassettes. Well, the results of the poll is 33% for digital, 67% for a CD and digital. So you, like me, like to have a hard copy, but you don't mind having it digitally because you're probably going to listen to it in your car that way, you know, or any other reasons. But zero votes for I Love My Vinyl. Everybody still prefers that hard hard copy and some digital. But, you know, I, I like my vinyl stuff, but I like to collect some classic vintage vinyl. I'm not necessarily buying anything of new music on vinyl, uh, except for I'm tempted sometimes by those Star Wars soundtracks or maybe even that Spider-Man game soundtrack because I'm still having fun with that. And Eric has started playing that as well now on a PS4, and he's clearly loving it. If you follow him on Facebook, he's having a wonderful time. And I don't know if Adrian Rapp has time to play the game. I don't know if he's doing it, but he has released some new comic books, and I think Eric might tell you about it in the news, but uh, we have shared that onto our Facebook page. Adrian and Rob, friend of the show, uh, I think it was some Bullwinkle and Rocky issues that he's got some artwork. I don't know if he's written on any of them. I have seen he has previously done some writing in some Pink Panther comics, so I'm not sure what all he's done, but go and find those and enjoy them because he's a great artist. He's a great guy, uh, so definitely I'm going to throw that plug in. Uh, Eric will probably have a plug for him as well. Before we go any further, though... It's time to announce our winner of the W.R. Miller book, the Star Wars History Sourcebook, Historical Sourcebook. Now, if you entered in this, I thank you for all the retweets, reviews, and everything. That's awesome. If you didn't enter, well, make sure you enter so you can actually win one of these. Uh, I'll probably have a copy of a book to give away because he's gotten another book out uh, about animation. And I want to have W.R. Miller back on to talk about that book. That sounds very exciting. And hopefully we'll be able to give away a copy of that book as well. So feel free to enter again when we have uh, hopefully another giveaway. Uh, But those 
those of you who entered, I thank you for everything, but it is time to choose a winner. I have gone to random.org, selected the number, and it looks like Sarah Knightley is our winner. So, Sarah Knightley, if you'll send me an email to podcast at neverlandpodcast.com with an address that I can send this book to, I will get a hold of uh, the people that I need to go to hold to send you an official copy. I gotta talk to the publisher, and That'll be great. We'll get that book right out to you as fast as we can. I'm going to go ahead and also contact you on Twitter to make sure that you know that you have won. So this has been fun. But uh, and now it's time to move on and let's hear some news from Eric. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Hello, Neverlanders. This is Lost Boy Eric bringing you the news this week uh, as Jeremy's been out in Marceline ex- experiencing and enjoying Tunefest. Well, I wanted to start talking a little bit about what's going on at the Disney parks this week. My first item uh, actually harkens back to some uh, discussion we had a couple of weeks ago in which we had talked about Earl of Sandwich closing at the Disneyland Resort uh, as part of this uh, new hotel that was going to be built uh, right there next to the Disneyland Hotel. Well, we've talked further that this hotel actually has been put on hold because of a tax situation, but uh, we have recently learned that Earl of Sandwich is going to be returning for a limited time back to downtown Disney at Disney uh, at the Disneyland Resort. Uh, the It's a fast casual restaurant if you've never seen it. Uh, there are locations scattered throughout the U.S. I know that there's one in Las Vegas. Uh, we used to have one here in Arizona, but there's also one uh, available at Disney Springs in Florida. Now, it is a fast casual restaurant um, which is inspired by John Montague. I mean, I'm sure you've probably heard the story of the guy who invented the sandwich. He was too busy playing a card game. He didn't want to get his his fingers soiled while eating meat, and so he had his servant bring him a piece of meat between two slices of bread, and thus the sandwich was born. Well, he inspired the sandwich, and the restaurant is named after him. Now, it is going to be returning soon. All of their favorites, from their famous hot sandwiches on artisan breads to wraps, uh, as well as freshly toasted salads, they've also got a pretty good macaroni and cheese, speaking from personal experience. Uh, But it is going to be coming back down to downtown Disney. You know, we also learned recently that Salt and Straw, uh, an ice cream shop, is also going to be coming to the area soon. Now, also, downtown Disney is also uh, currently... Uh, going to be seeing the reopening of Naples uh, uh, Restaurante e Pizzeria, um, as well as the reimagined world of Disney. So the, some big changes are coming to downtown Disney in California, but I certainly am glad to see that Earl of Sandwich is going to come back. Uh, Earl of Sandwich uh, always seemed to be more of a, um, a, a good option as far as budget conscious uh, goes. Uh, I'll tell you, my family ate there quite a bit. It's very good food. Very reasonable price, and I'm glad to see that it's coming back. Now, one thing that uh, Disney does get involved with that has very little to do with the parks are Adventures by Disney. And what we have learned is that in 2019, they're going to have short escape vacations. Uh, And they're bringing these to uh, three new locations, Boston, London, and Vancouver, Canada. 
Now, short escapes are two to four night adventures that are in iconic destinations that can be booked as a standalone getaway, or they can even be added to other vacation plans. Uh, it features must-see attractions, hands-on activities, and opportunities to discover hidden gems, with each one filled with all the authentic experiences, VIP service, special access, and signature Disney storytelling that set Adventures by Disney bookings apart. Now, in Boston, uh, they're going to be, uh, they're calling this the best of Boston, past and present. It's a four-day, three-night itinerary in Boston where uh, travelers discovered American history and spirited contemporary culture. Uh, guests are going to be immersed in the city's legendary stories featuring privately guided tours along the Freedom Trail and the Old North Church, as well as a special after-hours visit to the Boston Tea Party Ships and Museum, and it concludes with a private dinner steeped in the city's, histor uh, city's storied roots. Other family-friendly excursions and activities include rowing along the Charles River, biking the city on a private adventure, exploring the grounds of Harvard Yard, and indulging in a delicious buffet of seafood, chicken, corn on the cob, and more private, or at and more at a private New England clam bake on Thompson Island. This is going to be available on select dates between May and October of 2019. Now in London, uh, again, it's going to be another VIP experience that they're saying. It will be a royal treatment. It's a three-day, two-night uh, escape in London. Uh, the itinerary is filled with exceptional experiences, including a once-in-a-lifetime private viewing of the Royal Crown Jewels, led by the Tower of London's Jewel House Warden, a private high-speed thrill ride in a rib boat along the River Thames, and a privately guided tour of Westminster Abbey, which is the site of royal coronations and weddings. Uh, you'll also be able to witness the uh, changing of the guard at Buckingham Palace. Now, this is going to be available on select dates in July, August, and September of 2019. Now, for Vancouver, it's going to be a three-day and two-night uh, itinerary. Um, guests are going to be discovering unparalleled views of the city's lush natural surroundings. Uh, they're going to be ziplining, gondola rides, a privately guided tour at... Uh, Capilano Suspension Bridge Park and a morning bike ride through Stanley Park. Now as far as food, they get a walking tour of Granville Island's famous public market and even a special scavenger hunt expedition just for junior adventurers while adults unwind at a local tasting room. Now the trip also features early morning access to Grouse Mountain's resident grizzly bear habitat where guests uh, can observe bears up close, learn from a local bear expert, and enjoy a private breakfast with amazing views. Other highlights include photo-worthy encounters with lumberjacks, birds of prey, and towering totem poles. Now, this is going to be available on select dates uh, from May through September of 2019. Now, if you're looking for any more information on these short escapes, please be sure to visit AdventuresByDisney.com. Again, these are set up uh, as Adventures by Disney. Uh, in particular, the London and the Vancouver options. Uh, are both, uh, they can be done independently or they can be done as part of a tour, uh, cruise package with the Disney Cruise Lines. So again, uh, some pretty neat experiences coming up and I'm sure a really good look into the history and the, the uh, great things that each of these cities have to offer. Now, going back to both Downtown Disney as well as Downtown, uh, ugh, excuse me, Downtown Disney and Disney Springs, uh, both in California and Florida, uh, there has been uh, a, a group called The Void, which is working with ILMX Lab and Disney to put together a VR experience uh, based on Star Wars. Well, now they are coming out with something new this fall. Ralph 
Breaks VR, which is going to put you inside a multi-sensory Disney adventure where you'll be immersed in the worlds of the internet and online gaming with Wreck-It Ralph and Vanellope. Uh, to create Ralph Breaks VR and future hyper-reality experiences that allow you to explore the amazing worlds and engage with favorite characters, Walt Disney Company and ILM X Lab are, again, bringing this uh, together with the team at The Void. Now, Clark Spencer, the producer of Ralph Breaks the Internet, says our filmmakers and the terrific people at ILM X Lab have collaborated to bring you an incredible, hyper-real experience for all ages. We can't wait for people to be immersed in the worlds of the internet and online gaming with Wreck-It Ralph and Vanellope. At ILMX Lab, we are truly excited for our fans to step inside our stories by extending our award-winning creative collaboration with The Void across the Walt Disney Company. Together, we will soon invite guests into other beloved Disney franchises where they can explore rich worlds, engage with compelling characters, embark upon heart-pounding adventures, and indulge the senses, experiencing the magic as never before, said Vicki Dobbs, uh, or v Vicki Dobbs Beck, rather, uh, who's an executive in charge with ILM X Lab. Uh, there's going to be further information coming to the Disney Parks blog, um, including the launch date for Ralph Breaks VR, but it certainly sounds like they've got some great stuff lined up and that they're looking for. Now, the poster for this, um, it doesn't really give much information about what this is going to actually have in it but it's got ralph and penelope plus it's got the bunny and the kitty from the trailer that we've seen where bunny gets the pancakes so you know who knows there could be pancakes involved would be really good to see that uh again i'm really excited to see what's coming with ralph breaks the uh internet and this sounds like it's going to be a fun addition to what that movie is going to have to offer now something big is also coming to toy story land in uh, Disney Hollywood, uh, the Disney Hollywood Studios in Florida at Disney World. It's time to rise and shine because uh, they are going to open up early magic mornings for Toy Story Land. It's going to include little to no wait times, character appearances, and breakfast. Now, this is going to provide people with exclusive access to the land before the park opens. Take a spin through the galaxy on alien swirling saucers. Bounce around the backyard on Slinky Dog Dash. And if you're up for an early morning game, of course, they've got Toy Story Mania there. Now, uh, they're going to have some special dishes available, including Mexican corn chilaques and eggs bowl. And I probably mispronounced that. <laughs> There's going to be a shrimp and southern grits bowl. Fried chicken and cinnamon sugar French donut bowl. Smashed avocado and toast egg plate and breakfast uh, charcuterie platter. And again, I'm probably mispronouncing that. Now, early, mor ma early morning magic at Toy Story Land is gonna take place on select Mondays and Wednesdays between 7.30 a.m. and 8.45 a.m., with breakfast being available until 10. Now, it is a separate ticket. Admission to the special event is $79 plus tax per adult, which is 10 ages and older, and $69 plus tax for children ages three to nine. In addition to that, regular theme park admission is required. So it is something where it's it's not part of your ticket. You need to buy this. Uh, it is a separate event, similar to the nighttime events that they have uh, in Florida as well. But if it's something that you're interested in and looking to experience Toy Story Land without the wait times, sounds like a really good opportunity. Now, also in Disney Park news this week, uh, we got a look at some of the merchandise that's available uh, throughout all of the Disney parks in the U.S. 
Now, the main icon is going to be a, a Mickey pumpkin head. Now, the, we've seen pictures throughout the years of Mickey as a pumpkin with a big toothy grin out on Main Street, uh, but this year they're really bringing that home with Mickey Mouse shaped pumpkins, which are found everywhere uh, during the Halloween season. Uh, Dan Howard, Senior Creative Director with Disney Creative Group, says that this Disney icon, mixed with playful character artwork, is an excellent foundation for this year's collection, as it's something guests will remember from their visit. From apparel and home decor to necklaces and headwear that illuminate the night, guests have their pick of pumpkin-themed products. New products such as shirts with all-over prints for adults and kids join familiar favorites like the light-up trick-or-treat bucket and ceramic candle votive. The graphic designers and character artists selected Halloween-inspired colors, such as purple, orange, black, and gray, which are reminiscent of vintage trick-or-treat bags. The limited color palette is best seen on products decorated with Disney characters in colorful car, uh, costumes. Now, it's uh, like uh, Mickey Mouse in a vampire cape, uh, Minnie as a witch holding a broom, or Goofy wrapped up as a mummy. Now, products with playful messaging are a popular trend in the marketplace, says Summer Broomfield, who's a mar merchandise strategy manager. Um, they do say that eye-catching apparel is adorned with these playful phrases, including I want candy, or I'm just here for the candy. When paired with an orange and black sequin headband and an animated glow necklace, guests can create instant Halloween looks perfect for attending Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party at the Walt Disney World Resort or Mickey's Halloween Party at the Disneyland Resort. And again, um, this is actually something that my family has uh, gotten in the past. We've uh, been collecting ceramic Mickey pumpkins, which you can put a little votive candle inside. Um, it's fun. It's Halloween. It's Mickey. You know, it, it, it's just fun stuff, and uh, I'm glad to see that they're kind of embracing the Mickey pumpkin uh, kind of as an icon for this year's uh, merchandise. All right, well, on to news outside of the Disney parks. Um, you may have heard recently that uh, there is a new She-Ra series coming to Netflix. Uh, I'm not entirely sure of who's behind that and how that's coming. But we recently learned that uh, Sony, who has had the rights to He-Man and other properties, is actually losing them. And this has turned into an opportunity for Mattel. Mattel is looking to get into the movie-making business. Now, they uh, are launching Marvel Films. After years of trying to get movies made based on their various properties with other studios, only to have them stall out, they've decided to take matters into their own hands. And now there's a much better chance that we're going to see movies based on Barbie, Hot Wheels, Masters of the Universe, and more actually come to fruition. Now, the rights that Sony had were to both Barbie as well as Masters of the Universe, and they expired earlier this year. Now, they've been developing movies based on both, but Bar Barbie ended up being delayed to 2020 by Sony, and He-Man not getting his due, Marvel decided that they had had enough. They're now in control of their destiny with a much more meaningful way moving forward. Now, they've brought in uh, producer Robbie Brenner, uh, Anon Krenz as well, uh, to kind of head up this department. Um, young Krenz is actually the chairman and CE CFO, or CEO of Mattel, and he actually said that Mattel is home to one of the world's greatest portfolios of beloved franchises, and the creation of Mattel films will allow us to unlock significant value across our IP, or intellectual uh, properties. Robbie is a gifted storyteller and a highly respected filmmaker with a deep relationship in entertainment. 
She is the perfect leader to bring our celebrated brands to life. Now, she's worked with Jared Leto and Matthew McConaughey and uh, as they've earned Oscars for their work, um, as well as Best Picture nominations. Now, her movie Burden was also a big hit at this year's Sundance Film Festival. I can't say that I've heard of it. Well, what she had to say was that generations of children around the world have grown up with deep emotional connections to Mattel's brands and characters. There are so many stories to be told and so many imaginations to be captured by these iconic brands, and I look forward to working with Anon and his team to do so. Now, the approach is similar to what Hasbro has done by launching AllSpark Pictures. Uh, you'll know that they uh, created the Transformer movies, which have made $4.4 billion worldwide. And they're also working on projects with Dungeons and Dragons, as well as Mask. Yeah. And also, Lego has had several movies under its belt. Lego Movie 2 is coming next year. Mattel is just behind the ball, and they want a chance to uh, play this serious game of catch-up. Now, it's likely that the projects being developed by Sony are going to be scrapped. Mattel is probably going to pursue their own versions of movies based on their properties, and will look to partner with a major studio to bring them to reality. Uh, the studio, however, remains to be seen. Now, one concern that I have about this, they're using words like intellectual property and brands. That tells me that they are looking at this as an opportunity to uh, utilize what they have just to make some more money. I don't know how invested they are in making sure that the stories uh, match quite the level that we would expect. Uh, I always get concerned whenever I hear that type of language because the uh, end result usually is not all that great. Now, I'm sure Jeremy will have some more to say about this, especially with the opportunity for a new Masters of the Universe movie uh, to be on its way. But speaking of Masters of the Universe, and He-Man in particular, did you know that you can vote for the toys that go into the, Hall of Ed, into the Toy Hall of Fame? You can, and this year's nominees are available to be reviewed online, uh, but you do have to vote by September 19th. Now, that's coming up this week. Now, the uh, finalists this year, or rather the nominees, are the American Girl dolls, which were created in 1986. Now, each doll comes with a narrative that fits her era. Molly McIntyre, for example, is waiting for her father to return home from World War II. Now, uh, this features dolls who are designed to look like their owners, and they explore America's social and cultural history. The second item up for nomination, and I do mean item in this case, is chalk. Historians believe that chalk was important in the lives of its earliest people. Plus, what parent didn't send their kid out to make some chalk art on a summer day? It's also great for an impromptu game of hopscotch. Nothing easier to create art with than uh, a piece of chalk in a sidewalk in the middle of summer. Uh, the third nominee is Shoots and Ladders. It's based on an ancient Indian game called Snakes and Ladders. Milton Bradley introduced audience to the much friendlier sounding game in 1943. Now the third item, oh my goodness, this brings back some memories. The Fisher Price Corn Popper. Now, just hearing that may not evoke any memories, but if you look at it, it is a uh, dome filled with several colored balls, which sits atop a uh, pair of wheels, and it's attached to a long handle, and as you roll it along the floor, the balls inside the dome pop up. Now, Fisher Price introduced this device with the, its distinct sound called the corn popper in 1957. Now we're getting into... Uh, some things that I'm really much more familiar with, and uh, 
In fact, I'm even inclined to pick up and play with today. The Magic 8-Ball. Now, of course, the Magic 8-Ball delivers such fortunes as Ask Again Later. And signs point to yes when you shake it and ask a yes or no question. Now, the cue ball version was introduced in 1946, and it reads out 20 different answers. The next nominee are the Masters of the Universe toys, including He-Man. Now, these have been battling since the 1980s and have been featured on everything from toothbrushes to sleeping bags. The next toy up for nomination is Pinball. Now, this arcade game with flippers and steel balls may have been edged out by home gaming systems in recent years, but you can still find them in amusement parks, restaurants, family fun centers, and fairs. And I'll tell you, there's nothing like popping down to... Uh, oh, it's no longer called Game Park, so we have a huge arcade nearby my home where there are multiple pinball tables where you can play. The next toy up for nomination is the Sled. This good old-fashioned family fun device has been mass-produced since the 1880s. The flexible flyer appeared in the early 1900s, and it remains a wintertime stable. Yeah, sleds are important, just ask Citizen Kane. The next toy is really a game, Tic-Tac-Toe. This simple game of X's and O's became one of the first video games when it was programmed into a computer in 1952. It remains an enduring take-anywhere game because it's easily scratched out on paper with any writing utensil. The next item up for the Toy Hall of Fame is Tickle Me Elmo, which was originally released back in 1996. I was working retail at that time and I remember how popular Tickle Me Elmo was. Everyone just had to have it. Of course, Elmo moves and giggles when he's poked and tickled. Now the next one, oh, this is a classic. Tudor Electric Football. This is where you have plastic football players on top of a motorized football field as they vibrate across trying to get a touchdown. Now people love this game so much, it is celebrating its 70th anniversary this year. Amazing. <laughs> now the final toy that's up for nomination this year is Uno. Yeah, the game, Uno. Easy to learn, quick to play. Simply try and get rid of all of the cards in your hand. The game was created in 1971. Now, if you want to vote, or ew, if you want to vote for one of these toys, you need to cast a ballot for their vote. Now, this is through September 19th, and it's part of a player's choice ballot. Now, the uh, website to go to is toyhalloffame.org. You just go there, look for the player's choice ballot, and uh, you can make you can do one vote per day. Again, that's up through the 19th of September of this month. Now, we there have been quite a few stories this week about the future of the DC Extended Universe. Now, I know we have not been the first to say that many of the DC Extended Universe movies have been great. Uh, I know Jeremy would probably agree with me that Man of Steel... Uh, and Batman v Superman, as well as Suicide Squad, were all just uh, not the best and not what we would have expected to have uh, gotten from DC and Warner Brothers. There is the new Aquaman movie, which is coming up uh, later this year. Early reviews say it's good. Um, also, of course, they have the spectacular uh, release of Wonder Woman uh, earlier, which was absolutely fantastic. I enjoyed Justice League as a popcorn movie. I don't think Jeremy was uh, 
like it quite as much as I did. But, uh, you know, certainly this universe has had its own uh, bit of issues. Oh, and they've got Shazam coming up uh, this, this real soon as well. Now, we're still trying to figure out what's going on. No one is saying definitely for sure what is happening. But earlier this week, it was announced that uh, Henry Cavill might be leaving behind the role of Superman. Uh, we're really not sure what's going on. And in fact, it seems to suggest that there might have been an invented conflict, meaning that uh, someone was trying to drum up some uh, positive news for themselves or trying to distance themselves from what might be bad news. So far, Henry Cavill has portrayed Superman in three films, Man of Steel, Superman vs. Batman, and Justice League. And he still has one more movie appearance left on his contract. Now, it seems that this all may stand due to a request for him to appear as Superman in Shazam. It's, uh, there were some uh, reports that uh, Henry Cavill wasn't available for it, and it's kind of just spun into a great big uh, media circus, really. Now, Warner Brothers currently has no Superman projects in the works. Now, TMZ, who we all know is such a well-respected and always accurate representation of things, says that sources have told them that Cavill and others <coughs> excuse me, may reprise their roles if and when another Superman movie project goes into development. Now, it seems to fall in line with statements made by both Warner Brothers and uh, Henry Cavill's agent, who says that the cape is still in his closet. It's possible that all the talk about Cavill leaving the DCEU is simply a contract negotiating tactic, uh, meaning to convince Warner to give in to Cavill's payment demands. Now, it's already led to a great deal of speculation about Superman's future uh, in the movies. There's also a question of where the DC universe is going to go without the Man of Steel. Now, uh, The Hollywood Reporter says that Warner Brothers is shifting their focus from Man of Steel sequels to Supergirl, a movie about Superman's cousin. And writers have already been hired to pen the script of, the, of an upcoming Supergirl movie. Now, it's worth pointing out that even if Cavill isn't leaving the uh, DC Extended Universe, it doesn't necessarily mean that reports about Supergirl are wrong. It could be that, Super, that Warner Brothers hasn't discussed whether or not Cavill will continue to wear the cape because they're currently giving uh, his cousin a solo film first. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this, where it goes, and what might be in store for the future of the DC Universe. You know, again, I really haven't been all that great about uh, the direction of Man of Steel as well as uh, Batman v Superman. But I think that had a lot to do with the story and the director, and not so much with uh, Cavill as a performer. I actually think he looks great as Superman. Um, I know that he was up for the role of Superman in Superman Returns, um, and I'd like to see more from him. Uh, Superman is really my hands-down favorite comic book character. I've, uh, you know, ever since the first Superman movie came out back in, uh, you know, the 1970s. It has been my example for what a comic book movie should be, and Superman has been an icon for me all these years. I hate to see it kind of break down because of contract negotiations and disputes. Uh, I really don't know who I would like to see step in and fill in as the new Man of Steel, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Now, in our final bit of news this week, we learned the date that Ant-Man and the Wasp is going to be available at home. 
Now, the, of course, Disney has been releasing a digital version a few weeks in advance of a uh, physical media copy. Now, we know that uh, it is going to be coming to digital HD and 4K HD on October 2nd, and the Blu-ray will be coming on October 16th. So that's something for us to uh, look out for, something for us to uh, keep in mind, and, uh, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, getting to see Ant-Man and the Wasp on our home screens coming up here in October. All right, and that is all the news this week from Neverland. Thank you all for listening, and I'm going to hand it back over to Jeremy. To Disney and beyond. All right, so I've just made the trek off of Highway 36, and I just turned off into the exit, or, well, I just left the exit here on the 5 Highway, entering Marceline in the next three miles. And as you come up the exit ramp there from 36 Highway, there's this huge, big, tall, dark sign, but it's basically like a big arrow that says Marceline, and pointing you in the right direction to head out to the original Main Street USA, although it's not actually called Main Street, but uh, they do have signs up for Main Street, but it's actually a different street name. Uh, but this is kind of like a, a just a regular old country road. It's not in the greatest condition. Uh, you can probably hear as my tires go over it, it's a little bit rough. Uh, there's a cornfield here on my right. I mean, this is a farming community, of course, and this is where Elias Disney brought his family to work a farm. So, I mean, farming community shouldn't surprise you that I would say that. Here's a tire outlet as I'm coming in, and uh, there's this really neat sign when you actually get to the border of Marceline. I should be coming up on it very soon. Uh, it's kind of this brown brick little uh, sign. It says, Welcome to Marceline. Uh, I haven't seen the sign yet, but I can see off in the distance they have a water tower. It says Marceline. And uh, I believe I remember... Oh, there's a classic old, neat couple of neat old cars. If they're going the wrong direction. They should come to the parade. Uh, but anyway, uh, but it says it's Tiger County because uh, the Marceline team is the Tigers, or Tiger Country. Uh, I believe I'm actually in Lynn County specifically, but yeah, Marceline Tiger Country is this big water tower, which you can see this tower even from the old Disney farmhouse, which, of course, I've mentioned before, is owned by Kay Mallins. Uh, I don't know if I'll get a chance to talk to her today. She's usually quite busy during Toonfest, but I'll at least be able to say hi there. You know, they know who I am. It's kind of nice. I've been here a lot. Uh, there's a sign saying to turn on Kansas Avenue from Main Street, and here it is. Marceline welcomes you. Uh, this they was we've got bricks on the side, and it's uh, wood boarded, uh, and it's right there. As, as soon as you pass it, here is the Disney farmhouse on my right. As I'm going in, the speed limit becomes 40 miles an hour. Hour. Population 2,233 people in Marceline, Missouri. And I'm coming up on a Casey's General Store that I usually like to stop at because it's nice to make a pit stop before I go and stand and watch the parade. Okay, so now I'm back in my car after making a brief stop here at a Casey's General Store. I got about 12 minutes before the parade starts. Uh, there's a Sonic here on my left that unfortunately closed uh, within the years that I've been coming here. Uh, I ate breakfast there when I stayed at the Lamplighter Inn when I came for uh, some Disney legends that had come up here. They're members of the uh, Club uh, 55, I believe it was called. Just original employees of Disneyland came up and gave a presentation. I shared some of that 
I guess it's been a couple of years ago. I don't remember what episode number it is. But I stayed here in an inn and uh, didn't hardly get any sleep. I have a hard time sleeping in strange places. So, <laughs> didn't rest much, but I remember eating at the Sonic and now that Sonic is closed. Um, the number one place that I usually eat at around here is a place called Mavic, so I will be there later. And I will record from there. I always enjoy eating there. There's a really nice little ice cream shop. There's some antique shops in, in town here that I always like to visit. And I find a lot of neat Disney collectibles in there. Uh, but right now I'm on Kansas Avenue. Which, as you get into the old part of town, it basically becomes Main Street. And that is the part of Main Street that inspired Walt to have one. Oh, there's a house with a goofy uh, stand-up, like, board type of thing uh, leaning on one of their pedestals a big Mickey flag there is something stopping me right up here I think this is where I'm gonna need to turn to go find somewhere to park uh, I expect because this is an election year that the parade's gonna have a lot of politicians at it uh, that tends to happen there were even a lot of politicians when my wife and I came up here for the 4th of July so I guess oh it's better that way okay uh, being sent toward to the right. It's a little different uh, for how I come in. I gotta find somewhere that I can park. I usually like to try to park over by the museum. Uh, I'm not sure where I'm gonna. I got directed into a neighborhood. Uh, they have someone trying to guide traffic today. I'm a little late getting here compared to what I would normally do. I try to get here a little early because it can be a challenge sometimes to find somewhere to park. And uh, so I need to get parked and put up. I have my Star Wars sunshade that looks like the interior of the Millennium Falcon with Han, Chewie, Obi-Wan, and Luke sitting there. And I'll be putting that up because it's going to be a hot day today. And I do not want this car to be like an oven, even though I guess it probably will be. I don't think I can really help that. Okay, uh, but I'm, I'm near. There's like some church parking lots. Uh, there's a car lot here. If I ain't careful, I'm going <laughs> to put this thing over there and they're going to think I'm trying to sell it. Um, but I gotta find somewhere that I can park my car. A lot of cars are parked here off the side of the road. And there might be a place for me, but um, I guess they're gonna park in and take that. I was thinking about that spot myself there for a little bit. Uh, wow, another. Uh, this is gonna be a challenge to park. Another car in front of me is backing up. So one car's parallel parking. Well, I'm going to parallel park. I'm going to be facing the wrong direction over here. But <laughs> uh, I just need to get in here. A uh, channel called KQ2 is actually out here from St. Joseph. Okay, so the parade has just gone by. There will be video on our YouTube channel. Make sure you check that out. Uh, the parade is going to pass by me again in a small town. They'll go down one way or Main Street. Then they'll turn around and come back the other way. Uh, but I'm inside... Uh, I guess this is mainly the offices for Toonfest. I come in here every year. There's a lot of decorations. Uh, I will get some photos. But uh, photos, of course, you have to look at separately. But since you're only hearing me, I figure I would describe it a little bit. This is where on the walls they have a lot of the cartoonists have come in and drawn pictures on the walls. Uh, they're actually selling t-shirts inside here instead of out uh, in the park today. So there's a lot of artwork you can see. Uh, oh, Kim Possible, because uh, I did meet the artist who created her here. Uh, Alex Marr has done stuff. Uh, my goodness, there, there's so many artists here. There's a drawings of Dennis the Menace by the people who draw that. Jeff Keen and Family Circus. Uh, just so many different artists. And of course, Mike Peraza. Uh, we did talk to him, uh, was that last year? 
need to have him back on the show because we didn't get to finish everything. Uh, but lots of different artists and lots of different characters drawn on the wall. Some of them Disney characters. Some of them is the characters from that the, they draw. There's Ziggy on the wall. Uh, Alfred E. Newman of Mad Magazine. Uh, just so many different characters in here. So when you come in here, you got to make sure you come on ToonFest. You can actually come in here and the offices are open. They have a lot of memorabilia on the walls. They have some different plush Mickeys on a bookshelf. Uh, it seems a little different. There's a lot less desks than uh, last time I was here. But it's always worth a visit to come in here. All right, so here at E.P. Ripley Park, this is actually a park that Walt played in as a child, and there's some photos at the beginning of the park there. You can see where Walt and Roy did come back over here. Uh, but they have a lot of little places where some of the locals come out to sell their wares as a typical festival. Uh, there I'm actually seeing some handcrafted baskets that are actually really nice. I might need something like that to carry all the gear I've got with me. I've been dropping stuff all over the place already. Ooh, strawberry lemonade. There's some nice little quilting things on uh, one side, uh, on the towels. A lot of this, you have to have brought cash, and I was silly and left a little later than I wanted to today, so I didn't grab any cash. Oh, look at there, Mickey Mouse pillows. Uh, I know my wife would tell me I don't need that, but that's really cool. <laughs> my wife would tell me I don't need that, but it's really cool. I like it. They're so soft and they're so comfortable. And they have Mickey on it. Uh, let's see, jewelry vendors, uh, we have people who make pillows, of course more shirts for Toonfest, a lot of books, lots of books, my goodness. Uh, some sort of uh, construction thing. What is this? Phone, internet, oh, okay, that's a local company, I guess. Oh, they're bringing fiber out here. Awesome, fiber in Marceline. So, hey, if I move out here, I, don't, I won't have Google Fiber, but at least I can get fiber internet. Uh, some doll clothes in one tent, and also, oh my goodness, this is really neat. Uh, imagine like a kerosene gas jug or old metal water jug or old gasoline jugs, like metal ones, with uh, faces carved into them like a pumpkin. And that's what I'm seeing right now. There's even some Jack Skellington style faces in some of these. These are really cool. I think I like the littler one. Oh, wow. The lighter you find a lot of neat things out here. And over here in uh, Ripley Park is also where there's a couple of train cars. There's a train engine and also a caboose. And the train engine is marked for Santa Fe 2546, and it's marked for Disneyland Railroad. Uh, also, the pirates that are in the parade have a little set up, the, the Muddy Creek boat here, which they have as a float, but they have one that sits over here. And the kids can come along and play and do things with it, you know. Uh, we also, there's a game where you milk a fake cow. So, I mean, it's a farm community. There's some bounce houses, and there's a little stage where the 4th of July, Heather and I came out here and watched some shows. Uh, Ripley Park, though, has gotten over some improvements since I've been coming, and they have a pond that's been rebuilt, has a fountain in it, a nice bridge going up there, and it's a really nice little pond in the park. But that is E.P. Ripley Park. Now, off to my right, uh, they're actually giving away some awards for participants in the parade here at Toonfest. I, however, am making my way from Ripley Park over to the United States Post Office here in Marceline, Missouri. There is a dedication on the wall, and I'm going to read the plaque to you once I get over there. The fun thing about this post office is you can come in here and just go ahead and buy a stamped envelope. They have a special stamp here that has the Dreaming Tree in ink. So it's, it's basically the stamp they'd use to cancel your stamp. It's one of those. So it's an ink stamp, and I do have one at home somewhere, and I think we even sent one to a listener once. Uh, but there we have this post office. Let me get up here. There's a plaque. There we go. 
and is a commemorative stamp honoring Walt Disney, Marceline's favorite son, was issued from this post office September 11th, 1968. Now the stamp they're talking about is the official Walt Disney stamp that has a picture of Walt on it. And it says on another, another plaque, after Walt Disney's death in December of 1966, the citizens of Marceline lobbied the United States Postal Department to issue a commemorative stamp in his honor. The Postal Department agreed to issue the stamp. After the issuance of the stamp was announced, Burbank, California, Kansas City, Missouri, Anaheim, California, and Chicago, Illinois vied along with Marceline to be the location of the first day of issuance. Marceline was chosen to be the location of the issuance ceremonies. The Disney family and other honored guests arrived for postage stamp ceremonies on the Santa Fe Railway. Super Chief renamed the Walt Disney Special for this event. The United States Postal Department originally ordered 120,000 stamps, but the unusual demand for these stamps resulted in total production of 153,015,000. And that, I believe, is also the Santa Fe Disneyland Railroad that's, you know, number 2546 out here in Ripley Park. I'm pretty sure that's the one they're talking about. Uh, but as we go inside the post office, you'll have to excuse my breathing. I'm, I'm 41 and overweight, okay? All right, but inside the post office, it's very cool. They have framed pictures of the six cent Walt Disney stamp that was issued here. And also they have all these other Disney stamps, 37 cents. As we have a Bambi, a Pinocchio. There's the fabulous three there of Mickey, Walt, and or Mickey, Goofy, and Donald. And there's also a Lion King stamp that uh, I believe was issued at some point. And they have pictures on the wall of those. Also, there's a little behind glass, a, a bunch of different envelopes from actually 2017 D23 Expo. I don't believe I've seen this before. I think that it looks like they're commemorating the Disney villains. And so there's envelopes stamped with every one of the Disney villains. And they have Huh, from the Walt Disney Department, Ink and Paint Department, first, first day of issue. So this is very cool. So there's, there's envelopes from the D23 Expo and then also just from the Ink and Paint Department. And you can actually buy a set of these, a set of 10. Huh. First day cancellation, set of 10, $9.30. Disney Villains, DCP, set of 10, $16.40. So... Oh, Disney Villains Keepsake includes 20 stamps and one random digital colored postmark price, $11.95. So if I wanted to collect some stamps, wow, I'm kind of tempted to do it, but I want to save some money for uh, the antique store that I go into, but this is kind of neat. So set of 10, but yeah, I don't collect stamps and I would probably lose these. These are very cool. I might get tempted to come back over here. All right, but on the other side of the building, uh, it's, uh, there's a plaque that says, this building named in honor of Walt Disney by Act of Congress, November 11th, 2003. And there are photos of the Stamp Day ceremonies here in black and white framed. Uh, Roy O. Disney and Walt e. Disney's family, it's all standing together. There's a picture of Lillian Disney with Diane Disney Miller standing there, shaking hands over by the plaque that I was reading outside. Uh, looks like, let's see, Senator Tom Eagleton is speaking on a podium. Uh, Postmaster General was E. Marvin Watson. And there's a little van with Roy O. Disney and Mrs. Walt Disney riding in a car during a stamp day parade coming down the street that I actually was just on watching that parade. So, very, very cool in here at the Walt Disney Marceline, Missouri Post Office. Okay, so now I'm inside a building where the symposiums will take place later. 
and they have a lot of different things. They have uh, exhibitions from the cartoonists that are going to be here giving some posters, but they also have a silent auction. And they have a book that says Walt Backstage Adventures with Walt Disney. Uh, a little packet of like lotion and lip balms. Uh, there's a local artist named Alex Marr who always does some great artwork and he does very Marceline themed. He's got uh, Mickey here in a Marceline football uniform holding a football. There's a Calvin and Hobbes three volume set on, on offer right here. Pearls Before Swine Collection. Bid starting at 17. A uh, little thing from Frozen. Uh, Mickey Mouse little single, co single serve coffee maker. Uh, here's a nice Eeyore picture I know Heather would love to have. A book called The Man Behind the Magic. A lot of these books appear to be used. There's a uh, Precious Moment Cinderella figure. Nice photo of Walt. Uh, and taken in his late 20s. Working on drawing a steamboat Willie. Oh, and somebody taking my picture <laughs> by accident. <laughs> I, I can Photoshop that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, but I, I improved the photo. Well, that might be. Maybe. <laughs> Anything will improve my photography. Oh, wait, well, well, that army hat improved your photography. Oh, yeah. so, all right, that's pretty awesome. Oh, there's a Nancy Drew book out here. Mickey riding a train, Disney Showcase Collectible. Ooh, wow. Going up for 40 in increments of two. There's a picture I know Amy would enjoy. It's her favorite character from Aristocats, Maria, or Marie. Yeah, Marie by Alex Marr, the artist here. And oh, there's a Mickey Mouse pumpkin set where you poke his arms and legs and head into a small pumpkin. This is interesting. Walt Disney, Hollywood's Dark Prince. What, what, what in the world? So that's another book. Okay. Oh, there's a really nice little uh, hat stand out here. Is that up for auction? Or is that just here? This is very neat. You might have to get a picture of that. Oh, hang on. Oh, let me stop the recording. So. Yeah, I shouldn't record conversations, but that was a good one. Uh, the uh, Army veteran that I you heard me briefly there, I was talking to him, and he actually had, him and his wife had worked at the museum for a while. Uh, and he's been here 35 years, has a brick on the wall, so very fun, nice people. Uh, so, anyways, I'm now in the art gallery, and there's this is where the cartoonists that are here and some other ones will send some of their original artwork and display it. So you can actually read a lot of comic strips. There's one here called Data Baby I've never heard of. has a lot of characters. There's a Smurf, a Blue Power Ranger. There's the Genie. There's Dory, Cookie Monster. Uh, I think it's Max Rebo, the Blue Elephant guy from Return of the Jedi. Isn't that Max Rebo? Somebody will correct me if I get that wrong. Uh, but all these blue characters, and there's a baby there just drawing them on the wall. And it says, I'm currently in my blue period. Very cute. Uh, here's another Data Baby comic strip. Uh, we see a cat sneaking into grab a fish. The fish opens up the treasure chest in his aquarium, hits a button, and raises himself out of range of the cat, and then suddenly it sprouts legs and lasers and chases the cat away. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of different things. I'm going to read some of these probably later, but uh, let me see if I can find. Let's see. This artist is Paul Trapp, and something called Bride's Recipe. A lot of neat little pictures. Uh, very, this is some, some older artwork. This looks like it's like 60s, 70s. Very styled, very colorful. Uh, some other nice artwork. So I, I don't see the names on some of this art. Uh, this is, I think, a collection of some vintage art. It's very classic style, but I don't see the name of the artist. It's very cool. I'm going to have to photograph this section here. Let's see what else, what other cartoons we have. Alrighty, here we go. Here's a Toonfest headliner, Ken Melton, with uh, some sculpted pieces uh, from various Disney movies. 
Wow, these, uh, I don't know if they've been colored. They look like that, you know, hand, handmade figurines here. Uh, I don't know if he just designs figurines for Disney collections to be sold. Oh, there's even uh, from Kubo and the Two Strings some characters there. And what is this I'm looking at here? Uh, oh, there's the, uh, no, I forgot the name of it. Uh, I didn't see that movie though. It's not a Disney. Let's see here. Uh, a lot of various characters from Pocahontas, from Aladdin, uh, from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Here's The Incredibles. Uh, a lot of really nice designs. The Lion King set, uh, very cool. All sculptures by Ken Fulton. Here's another headliner, Ken Alavine. Uh, uh, there's, these look like from children's books. Marshall the Fire Dog, Tommy the Turtle. This sounds familiar to somebody. Digger, the spokesperson for Minnehaha County Historical Society. Oh, okay. Flood safety books and stuff like that. Alrighty, here's the old modern hotel. Some artwork. It matches some of that vintage style. Some of this reminds me of Schoolhouse Rock, the art I'm seeing. There's a, there's a lot of this old style. I don't know who that artist is, but their art is everywhere. So, uh, I didn't catch up with like the names of everybody giving a symposium, but they will be here. I just didn't catch every name. Now, the guy who sculpted all of the uh, figures here, I might want to be here and record that. Okay, so now I'm, I'm inside Magnolia Antiques, which is one of my favorite places I visit here every year. They have so many different little bits of Disney memorabilia and antiques. There's usually something I want every time I come in. Uh, not always something I can necessarily buy. Some of this stuff is, is so vintage that it becomes expensive. You can find like a, a Mickey Mouse phone. Oh, there's a phone toy. There's a Peter Pan head. There's, what is this big Fantasia thing? This is large, what is this? Mint, an original wrapper, never opened, long out of print. It's, oh, it's a release of the film. I guess it's a VHS release, even, and it's never been opened. Wow. Uh, they have some of those, remember those, like, cardboard puzzles that were all, like, a framed picture? They have some of those in here. Oh, here is a Marley Goofy statue. It's sealed up. There's a Goofy clock. Uh, Disney University mug over here. Uh, a keepsake ornament of a train, a Hudson Steam locomotive, Lionel Train. Looks like the same model that's out here in the park. Um, there's like jelly jars, note cards, hats, a lamp, all kinds of different little items to look at. A big cookie jar of the genie, Mickey Mouse playing cards. But there's always something to see, and I usually, like I said, I find something to buy every time. And. It's that decision of what I want to bring with me as a collectible today. Uh, it's definitely going to be picking up a t-shirt at the other shop next door, but okay. Uh, I think that's all I have to say about this location unless I see something. They have Dick Tracy trading cards and Hook trading cards over in here too. I've eyeballed for a while. They're 50 cents each. I don't know what I would do with a bunch of more trading cards. Oh, I see some glasses. A couple of Mickey glasses. Hmm. 12.50 set. They're both the same type of glass. I would only really need to get one. Hmm, I do, I like, I collect glasses. <laughs> I, I think my wife would look at me funny if I brought home another glass. And if you notice, yes, I'm being quiet because I'm inside a shop. All right, so I've been walking down Main Street here and I'm approaching the Uptown Theater as I go over to a US bank so I can hit an ATM because I want to buy a t-shirt for $5 and I need cash. <laughs> so. Uh, with this Uptown Theater, this is where the premiere of the Great Train uh, Chase Railroad. I'll, I'm sure it'll have the uh, actual name of the film as I walk over here. But let me read the plaque as I come up here. 
to the Uptown Theater. All right, and it says it opened in June 30th, 1930. In 1956, Walt and Roy Disney held the Midwest premiere of their feature film, The Great Locomotive Chase, in this theater. They personally greeted each child at the door. Walt and Roy took the stage before the movie started, and the children of Marceline sang the Mickey Mouse song, uh, also known as the Mickey Mouse Club theme. Uh, because the Disney program was not broadcast in Marceline, the children learned this song especially for this occasion. The movie ran from 1.30 p.m. in the afternoon until 1.30 a.m. the next morning, so everyone who wanted to could see the movie. In 1998, the Walt Disney Company held another premiere, The Spirit of Mickey, at this theater. 18,000 enthusiastic Disney fans came to Marceline for the premiere. A special appearance of Mickey, Minnie, and their friends was enjoyed by all. So now, I'm walking up to the Walt Disney Hometown Museum. Uh, I don't think I'm going to tour the museum today because I have some things I have to do this afternoon. Uh, but uh, I don't think it's changed a whole lot since last time I came through. But uh, it sits at what used to be the train station from what was here, and the tracks are actually still running behind the museum. And every once in a while around here, you can hear the train go by. But it's a really nice museum. It's run by a lot of volunteers and some employees. And I'm going to go inside and look in the gift shop, see if there's any goodies. I don't know if there's a plaque on here that I could read to talk about the museum, but it's very, very cool. It's closed every Monday. It's now open year-round. So it uh, didn't used to be. But I'm going to go inside here. Whew. Oh, air conditioning. Let's see if there's any souvenirs different than what I've had. Oh, that's, yeah. I mean, that's not the problem. We were going to leave town, like, and start getting back home. Oh, excuse me. Hello. Hi, how are you? Can I help you? Hot. Ah, uh, well, I'm just saying hi to you. I haven't talked to you since. I guess probably you gave us the, the tour over there. Uh, I usually end up running into Kay and everything. <laughs> I know, I was talking to you when somebody was here. I think it was the second time Ken Facey was here. I think I sat behind you and I was saying hi. Yeah, and yeah stuff, so. well, I'm glad to see you again. Yeah. Nice to see you. Still Thank going you. around around having fun. Yeah, that's good. That's what uh, life's all about. Yeah. And that's what Walt wanted us to do. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm actually recording my 250th episode of the podcast today. Really? Yeah, so it turned out so perfectly. I'm like, oh, it's Toon Fest time, and it's 250 episodes. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I gotta go. So, I think well, okay. thank you for being so supportive. Yeah, it's, it's fun every year. Except for I came too many times already this year. Wouldn't Disney be proud if he knew how many, what the following he still had? Yeah. Been gone definitely. a long time. Yeah. Oh, he's not really gone. Well, that's. that's <laughs> it's like he may not be living with us, but in the way he is. Yeah. Still. I agree. Definitely. So if you go through the open door, you have five more rooms on this floor, and then go up the steps. All and right. Enjoy Disneyland up there. Other things. Enjoyed your story. Well, thank you. Yeah, she's got a lot of stories. Nothing <laughs> wrong. All right. Well, when Walt Disney came to he came to dedicate a pool in '56. We still use it today. He came back in 1960 to dedicate our new school. The one he went to was Park School.
but of course that was torn down and we built a new Walt Disney School. When he came for that dedication, he gave us that flagpole. That's my husband standing to the right of it and Walt to the left. And that flagpole came from the Squaw Valley Olympics. He, oh, that, can you mention something about yes, that? Yeah. He had been chairman of pageantry and sent us the tallest pole, which is still out here in the lawn of our school. He gave us two flags to fly from it. One is the castle flag. Hi there. And this one flew at the top of the very tall pole. Oh and we goodness. said, Walt, well, we understand, we're thrilled to have this um, Mickey flag, but tell us why is it on an orange background when that's not even a Disney color? And he said, I fly an orange flag over my apartment, over the fire station in Disneyland. Oh my gosh. And I want the flag that flies over my hometown to be the same color. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. So um, I don't know if I ever saw that in here before. Is that new this year? It is new. Okay. It is new. Uh, we have not been able to fly it because it's too fragile. Yeah. D23. Do you know about D23? Yes, I do. I wish I could get out there, Dawn. Yeah. They came three years ago. Uh, they were having a stockholders meeting in Kansas City, and 60 of them rented a bus and came down here. They saw our flag, which was just in a box over at the Disney school, that school, because it was too fragile to fly. And they said, we'd love to borrow that flag. We are responsible for a Disney exhibit at the Ronald Reagan Library. We would love to borrow it. And they borrowed it for a year. And when they sent it back, they had it framed. Wow. We were so grateful because that was very expensive. <laughs> yeah. And a, a good way to preserve it. So when we saw how good that looked, then we framed our castle flag, flag too. And yes, they've just been hanging probably three months. Wow. But isn't that a great way to preserve them? Yes. And have them? So now I know what these flags are in the gift shop. I think I'm going to have to get some for some prizes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a cool story. I'm going to have to keep one myself then too. I think. Huh? <laughs> well, actually, um, Walt Disney started coming back in '56. Well, to get the, he left when he was ten. That's he with his mother and little sister Ruth. And when he came back the first time by invitation, the year was 56, and he's 55 years old. That's his brother Roy. Yeah. Well, he, we learned that he had been here several times before, uh, and the man at the Chevrolet garage remembers that he came in 1946 because he remembers seeing this strange man with a big camera on a tripod and that it had a black, a black cover over him and the camera. And that was Walt Disney taking pictures of our Main Street because he was thinking about Disneyland and he wanted there to be some likeness. Yeah. And there really is. Yeah. Yeah, really is. So well, we were actually just talking about the Emporium store is still there, and I had to yes. get a picture. I said, this is the yeah. Emporium. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, when he came back in 56 the first time, 
my husband and I had the only house with central air. Now, there were a few. Have you heard that story? Yeah, Kate told us. That was funny. I like it. Okay, well, so that's how we met them. And, of course, you know that we it took the whole town to get my house ready because we had the air but not much else. And when by the time they came, we looked really good thanks to the town. They came back five more times after that first visit. And I did get my own furniture. We didn't have to go through the whole town thing. But, you know, they were just awesome, ordinary people. We've laughed a lot about how we thought we had to really have a show for the Disneys. When they came, they brought their wives, Lily and Edna, also. And so when the house sea hadn't changed a lot then, yeah. Uh, the long porch had been taken off. It had siding, electricity, and running water. And that's Roy and Walt falling in love with it all over again. Well, they wanted to walk over the 45 acres. Have you done that? Not over the 45 acres, but I've been over and uh, been at the, what's left of the tree and okay. seen the rebuilt and the farmhouse. Okay. Haven't today yet, but I've done okay. it before. So um, when we walked over the area, he grinned from ear to ear and said, I can't believe my dreaming tree is still living. And we said, well, what's so special? What makes it a dreaming tree? Actually, there were four cottonwood trees on the farm, but he singled this one out. And that's when he told us, I never had to go to the field to help Dad. After Herbert and Raymond ran away, Roy did that. But I was always expected to entertain little sister Ruth and keep her happy and safe from the animals. I brought her out here every day. And he pointed out that a cottonwood tree has millions of little leaves and that if there's any air stirring at all, it's very restful. And it caused him to daydream even more than normal. <laughs> brought a blanket, brought his little sister and his pad and pencil. They played belly botany. And I can see Walt and Ruth doing that on the blanket. And he said, I sketched whatever we saw. And I could always count on the rabbits and the squirrels and the field mice every day. And sometimes Bambi walked through, or a fox, or some bigger animal, and it made a good story. <laughs> I didn't just sketch all that on one page. I sketched it on four or five. I flipped the pages, and I made up a right good story. Ruth was a dear lady. We knew her till she died at the age of 92. And her response to some of the things that, that Walt had told us were so dear. And she said, well, it was better than a right good story. It was better than if we'd had a television set in that day. So the tree became famous. And I'm sure you know that story yeah. if you've talked to Kay. Um, after, on that first trip, after we had been to the farm, he wanted to see the school that he attended. He was very young when he was here. He did not remember his classmates, but Brother Roy did. Brother Roy was eight years older. Wow. And he well remembered his classmates. Uh, actually, we're all volunteers here. Five of our volunteers are descendants of his classmates. Wow. Including that lady at the desk. <laughs> Dorothy is her name. So um, we had to tell Walt that this was going to be torn down. We'd voted a bond for a new building, and that left eyebrow went up like it always did when he was in deep thought. 
Well, he said, I can see you need a new school. But when you do that, promise me you'll save the cornerstone. And so here it is. That cornerstone was right there. Promise me you'll save the cornerstone for my Marceline project. And um, we were farmers, and we also worked for the printer. That night at the dinner table, Walt said to my husband, whose name was Rush, I fell in love with the farm all over again today. I'd love to own it. Do you know who owns it? Well, in a little town, we all know everything. <laughs> so yes, we do. And he said, you know, I'd love to own it. You could buy it cheaper than I could, being a local farmer. If it ever comes for sale, you buy it, and I'll buy it from you. Yeah, because if they'd have known Walt was after, they'd have chucked yes. that price up. Just like Florida. Just like in Florida. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, what he wanted with that farm was not another park. He just loved living here, and he loved the fact that they were self-sufficient on that little farm. Raised their food, raised their crops, um, swam in the pond, and that they had a close family, close neighbors. How are the children of tomorrow going to know about that relationship on a farm in the Midwest if we don't restore one? So that was his plan, to restore it. And of course, he died before that happened. And, uh, it, but our daughter lives there. Kay lives there. Oh. Yeah. And so that's where you go to see the tree yeah. and the uh, barn, of course. But this is the pool was the reason uh, he came on that very first visit. We still use it today. It takes a lot of patching cement <laughs> every spring. Yeah. But uh, we had a bathing beauty contest, and some of our volunteers were in that lineup. And, they like, still like to talk about their four-inch heels and so forth. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all wearing this now. Yeah. But our newspaper, of course, uh, told the story. Everybody was sure excited that they were coming. He premiered the Midwest Great Locomotive Chase in that little theater. He's on the stage. Our children sang the Mickey Mouse Club song to him. And he had a tear in his eye when he said, you kids are so lucky to be growing up in my hometown. These were the best years of my life. Well, he wanted to drive a team of mules, so he sent word ahead of time. Would that be possible? My dad always talked about those damned old stubborn Missouri mules. <laughs> I was too young to drive them, but I'd like the challenge. This farmer's name is Frank Van Tiger. He lived out east of town. He heard about it, and he said, I want to be the one that does that. Didn't tell us why. He had known their father. Wow. So this was the, he introduced himself to Roy and Walt and said, I knew your dad. I hauled hedge post, I sold and hauled the hedge post in this same Peterbilt wagon, and I helped him build those fences on the farm. Highlight of the day, yeah. without a doubt. So down by the pool, the sign is still there. This is Walt and Lily. Lily remarried after he died, so young. Roy and his wife, Edna, our mayor, and his wife. He was very laid back. Now, this is, this is when Kay met Walt Disney. She was just six years old. And they, of course, were going to stay with us. They always came on the train. We met them. 
coming through that door. And Kay said, in a timid little voice, Mr. Disney, you're staying in our house tonight. Which bedroom are you thinking about sleeping in? And he said, well, Kay, I have no idea. You have to tell me. Well, she said, there's a room painted pink, and that would be the best one. Uh, that was her claim to fame as a little girl. And uh, he gave her a job in Disneyland when she was in college. Um, now she's the curator of the museum. Wow. So she was a committee of one <laughs> that never gave up when he died so young. The rest of us did. Mm. So uh, it's all falling into place. Yeah. If you have one of his autographs on a napkin, a paper napkin, or anything, you can demand $1,000 for it. They're very popular. It's the most popular autograph that collectors are looking for. Uh, I had a collector in my audience the other day, and he said, Ma'am, I'll buy all you have. And I had to tell him that I just had one, and it was a keeper. Yeah. This guy still lives here. He's 70 now. He's fishing on the same bridge that Walt fished on. And Walt Disney walked up and said, Let me show you how to catch a good fish. Can you imagine this little boy with Walt Disney? Well, he didn't do very well. Yeah. But he made such a big story, we all laughed and clapped about it. This is my late husband, and he's giving Walt a buckeye from our buckeye tree. Um, but it wasn't enough good luck for being a heavy smoker. Sad. <laughs> yeah, when they take the big trees about to cough. Yeah. Um, this is the house we lived in at the time. That's Walt in the garage. These are our neighborhood boys, and of course, they're going to the pond to swim, the only place we had. The older one said, Mr. Disney, when can we swim in your pool? We're tired swimming in the muddy pond. Well, he said, right after the right after the dedication. Why don't you be the first ones to jump in? Oh, cool. And they were. Oh, and there they are. <laughs> that a great state. He, he just was such a awesome human man to be the genius he was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, these are some of the telegrams that went to him and from him. He always came on the train. This is the building where you are, now 102 years old. Everybody in the county would come when Walt Disney was going to be. Oh, of course. Here. Yeah. So, of course, when we were at that school, he wanted to find his desk. We had a lot of places to be that day, so we tried to discourage him. And uh, he lifted the left eyebrow and he said, I don't think it'll take me that long. Well, okay. The teachers had all the students clean off the top of their desk, uh, and, and the, the teachers were told, the teachers told the students, Mr. Disney's in the building, and he's looking for his desk, so clean off the top and stand beside it. Well, you can imagine this young man when Walt Disney found it. No, no one ever made the association that that could have been Walt Disney. They always brought their photographers. And um, when he found it, what he said was, I remember how much trouble I got into when I did this. <laughs> but in recent years, this seems okay. Yeah. Yeah. Our 
school owns the desk, uh, they let us have it for tour season. And in Disney World, you'll find a replica of this because the school loaned it to them in 2001 when Walt would have been 100 years old and gave them permission to make it. To make a copy. Yeah. So he get this is my late husband and Walt standing behind that standing beside the flagpole that right. I was talking about. Mm-hmm. He gave us all of our playground equipment was was Disney and we had Disney swings and everything. He gave us a lot of things that our district could not afford and it's all still in our Walt Disney School. Now the best gift he gave us are these. We used to be able to send our tourists over to the school, just two blocks east. But of course now with all the school goings on, you can't do that. Apparently you can peek your head into the window, or we'll look in the window and see some good yes. pictures in the lobby. I'm going to go yeah, check it out here. That. Uh-huh. That's what you'll see. Okay. And the cases there were where the desk will, when it returns back to school, when we close for the winter, that's the scene you're going to see. Hmm. Yeah. This is our superintendent, Walt, and my husband. I was out of range of the camera, but he was so proud of how they looked, and he had hired his best artist, Bob Moore, to build them. And what he said was, these are one of a kind, and I wanted these to be in my hometown. If it hadn't been for my love of the barnyard animals and enjoying nature those few years on the farm, not altogether sure I would have created the characters. Yeah. And his old movies all had barnyard animals. Yeah. Yeah. So they are elaborate. They're beautiful. Thank you. And uh, well protected. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I'm definitely going to go and hit the school and take a look and see what I can see. And here's the Midget Autopia. Yeah. And this happened in 66, the same year he died. But he, you know, he'd been here enough. I think he knew that our, the children of Marceline had a pretty slim chance getting all the way to Disneyland in those years. We just didn't travel yeah. like you do today. I have a slim chance of getting there myself sometimes. <laughs> Most of the time. I haven't actually been to Disneyland. I've only been to Walt Disney World once. And that was on somebody else's dime. Well, <laughs> this ride opened when Disneyland opened. This car, we never put on the ground, so he used it 11 years. That's the wear and tear that came from Disneyland. Wow. But he sent the entire ride. Excuse me. And these cars, we wore out. (laughs) They traveled on that curvy little road, which has a tunnel. Uh, It was amazing how popular they were. We cannot find parts for them. I hope one day we can get it back on track. But meanwhile, they're they're needing lots of dollars spent on them. Yeah. So Walt Disney's coming for the third dedication. He's been here for the pool, the school, now the ride. But in June, our telegram said, I have this hacking cough not feeling well and the doctor says I can't make that trip to Missouri and of course he died in December yeah yeah Roy had already retired from the company but when he went back to visit Walt Walt I can just see those eyes and he said Roy you got to promise me you'll come out of retirement and build his new world Mm -hmm. he's ready to go so he did that Two years after Walt died, the stamp was issued right here in our little town. Um, 
Chicago wanted it, we wanted it, Kansas City and LA. The government went to Lily and said, where do you think Walt would want his stamp issued? And oh, she said that little hometown. He loved that place. So it was here. How we got ready for it, I don't know. Well, you'll see pictures upstairs. People came from everywhere for that stamp dedication. And you know, normally it takes 10 years for a stamp to be issued for a famous person. Only two years for Walt Disney. Well, they still own the farm. And I think I forgot to tell you that Rush bought the farm for Walt like he asked him to. And then when the check came from Walt, it was signed Redlaw, R-E-T-L-A-W. Well, we certainly didn't question it, but we were curious. And that is Walter spelled backwards. <laughs> oh, it is. Uh, another little entity that Roy and Walt had. Not going through the big company. Yeah. Yeah. So Trying that to was, hide his purchases. Right. That way he doesn't get robbed from people. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's funny. Roy is out of retirement. He's busy building Disney World. But you know, it opened in '71. Six months before that opened, Roy called my husband and said, "I'm going to get this project done for my brother, just like I promised. But I'm sick." And I can't see that I'll get to that project in Marceline. You were kind enough to help us buy it. We're going to give you first refusal. So we were farmers anyway, and so we bought it, of course, yeah. to keep something from happening that wouldn't have been good. And our daughter lives there, and that's where you go see the tree in the barn. They take absolutely no revenue for opening their farm to the public, uh, but that's where it is. And um, when Walt Disney died, or excuse me, Roy died three months after Disney World opened. But we did have the farm, so it's safe and secure. But then nothing happened for like 35 years. When we had a birthday party for Walt Disney in 2001, um, almost canceled it because the date we chose turned out to be 10 days after the terrorist yeah. attack. Yeah. And uh, nobody was flying, so nobody was coming. But we had invited the Disney grandchildren. Um, they, we called them. Oh, they said, don't let the terrorists do this to Grandpa's birthday party. We're coming. And they did. And so that gave us the courage to go on. Yeah. And, and actually, some of them helped us with their personal Disney stock. Mm. So this, this building was available, but in terrible, terrible condition. None of us in Marceline had the money to buy it, though. But when we were so encouraged by the Disney grandchildren thinking it was the thing to do, that we were, we came up with the money, grants and little, yeah. little Disney grandchildren, and all of us divvied up. Uh, so we were able to save this building. Um, then Ruth died. All of her life, she had been telling us after Roy and Walt were both gone, uh, I'm a saver. And one day I want my things to be in Marceline. I think the Disney archives have enough. Uh, we had nothing in writing. We didn't expect it. When she died, her only son, Ted, his wife, Carol, called and said, come to Portland and get Mother's things. She wants her things to be in Marceline. Wow. So Kay went with an empty suitcase, thinking there would be documents and letters. 
well, there was that and more. <laughs> she said Ted started bringing stuff down out of the closet. Carol was getting it out from under the bed, and there were some little outbuildings. Uh, they went out there, and there was an old television that uh, Uncle Walt had sent them to watch the opening of Disneyland on. And Ted said, do you want that? Yeah, I do. So she came home in a U-Haul truck <laughs> instead of a suitcase full. Yeah, isn't that great? Yeah, I was like, wow. Yeah, so you said you've been here before. So yes, you've seen I'm a lot. Here every year. Yeah, okay. for a while. This is my fifth year. Oh well, bless your heart. Yeah. yeah. And there's always something new. Yeah. Once, so far, I've seen now the flag is new. Yeah. So, right. which I'm gonna have to go to the gift shop and grab some more flags. Uh-huh. So. So. For taking the time. Oh, you're very welcome. Cool. You're very welcome. And I got to tour the place before I can run out of time to look at it because you're gonna close in 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my wife decided to take a self tour. Well, I'm glad so. that you came in, and I did. You must have told Kay because. Because on the calendar it says Jeremy might, <laughs> might want to interview. So we were. Oh. See, there's nothing I need. But, anyways, that was, was Inez Johnson, this case, her mother. I mean, see, yeah, I know, I seem like I'm talking to nobody. I'm actually talking to all the listeners. <laughs> I've gotten a few strange looks from people already today, like, who's he talking to? Oh, look, here's Jeff Barnes' books. I actually have both of those. These are paperback ones. These are cute. A train whistle. What is this? Uh, another book here. Walt Disney World Resort Luxury Guide. Hidden Mickey's Wolf. Hidden Mickey's Wolf. I don't get it. Legend of Tom Sawyer's Island. Okay. Let's see if there's a magnet here I might want. Press metal nationally in signs. Yeah, I'm sending a little music. Trying to decide what souvenir I need to get this year. Pardon? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what souvenir I need to get this year. Oh. <laughs> so, and everybody looks at me weird because I'm like recording and the people are like, well, he's talking to himself. I always enjoy seeing your shirts. You've always got a smart shirt. Yeah. This is one I actually designed myself. Because the shirt you I had. Did? Yeah. Well. The one I had before, I was actually using the Disney castle they use in front of the animated features. And uh, one of my professors looked at that and says, you know, they're probably going to get you for that one. So I said, well, I better make my own then. So, so you did this one? So I did this one in a program called Adobe Illustrator. It's very so. showy. Very no, showy. No, it's pretty nice. I was proud of myself. It was the first thing I'd ever done with the program, and I'm not very good at it, but I was like, this is pretty well, I think good. you're pretty good. There, yeah. you made it. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> you made it. Right. She's a, she's a, she's a licensed operator now. Oh. <laughs> licensed to operate the elevator. <sighs> I think I'm going to get another magnet while I'm here. Well, these are going to six twenty-five. There's three dollar ones over there. Let's see. All right. You go through the open door. And you'll right. see five more rooms on the first floor, and you go up to the second. Awesome. Lots up there too. Yes. This magnet today. Oh, so, no, you're fine. Mm, oops. Oh, wow. Hello. Found the air conditioner. <laughs> yeah.
Alright, I'm on my way into Ma Vic's for lunch, and it's built in part of the old Allen Hotel, and there's a plaque that says, Constructed in 1906. The building was brand new when Roy Disney remembered the entire family eating out at the Allen Hotel dining room. Roy didn't remember what he had to eat, but he did remember that his little sister Ruth spilled the plate of food his father had paid for in real cash. Uh, I'm pretty sure I know why he remembered that, because they were very poor, and losing that much food would probably upset, really upset their father. Uh, so anyways, the hotel in Marceline, found on Main Street USA Disneyland, is a replica of this building. Uh, okay, well, I haven't seen what the building looks like, actually, uh, in Disneyland that it's referring to, but this one is a uh, kind of a gray brick building. Uh, but uh, this is also where Malvix is, and that is the place that I have to come to eat lunch every time I come here. Oh, and there's another plaque up ahead. Let's read it. It says, Confectionery. The confectionery located at this site in the Allen Hotel block, built in 1905, was a favorite stop for Marcelinians with a sweet tooth. When designing Downtown Disney, which is adjacent to Disneyland, the Disney company included Marceline's confectionery in this themed area. Downtown Disney opened 2001. All right. And now it's time to go to Mavix. All right, so now I'm inside Ma Vicks. Uh, it's been a while since I talked about the food here or from inside it. I think the first time I came out here with Heather, uh, we came in here and reviewed it. Uh, and so I'm going to do that again. There's that table for you. They are very busy in here. This is a very popular little small cafe. Uh, but right now I've got a menu. They, they need to wipe down my table, so I should probably keep my menu off the table. Um, I Frequently I get like a, a, a taco salad here. This is really good. I think I got something different last time, but they have a lot of different sandwiches. They even have pizza, soup salad, burgers. Burger doesn't sound bad. And baskets. Hmm. But, uh, so the food here is really good. It's really got that hometown, small town kind of thing going on. Uh, you pay about as much here as you would at a nice sit-down place. And it, I tell you what, it feels good to sit down on a hot day like today. It's about 90 degrees out here. And so getting here to the air conditioning. They have a, a daily special. is a Reuben and Buffalo chips. I'm, I don't know if I'm really big into a Reuben. Uh, that's roasted corned beef with Swiss and sauerkraut. And yeah, the sauerkraut is what scares me away from that. I like corned beef. Um, but the decor around here, it's got a lot of vintage uh, glass bottles, Diet Pepsi and 7-Up, Pepsi-free. Uh, <laughs> insert Back to the Future quote here, you know what I mean? Uh, there's also on the wall some pictures uh, of uh, Jim, who as a little boy, uh, uh, he was on a bridge, I think it was a setup photo, but uh, he's there with Walton Roy Fish. Okay, so what, what was your name? Jim Payton. Hi. <laughs> and, uh, the reason I got to meet Walt Disney was my father was one of the people who were instrumental in getting him back to Marston hmm. with the, the dedication of the pool. And they had all kinds of activities set up for him to attend. You know, you've probably seen one of them with the mailman and riding a wagon. And, and of course, the premiere of the Disney movie, The Great Northwater Chase. The one thing they wanted him to have do is go out to a bridge where he would fish as a child and have a young fellow out there fishing. And I was chosen to be that boy. Oh, wow. Were you nervous? No, not no. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a 12 year old kid, you know. <laughs> oh my goodness. And, and it's, you know, it's just so, it's so easy and, and um, 
funny thing is that after the, all of the load is over and done with, with all the hubbub, I don't know what happened to my fishing pole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, choking on my onions. And, they, and uh, Disney Corporation sent me pictures of this. And when he came back for the dedication of the Disney School, when they had a reception at the park for him, and I took several of those photographs down there and he autographed them. Oh, wow. autograph Disney. That is yeah, that's something you keep in the scrapbook and you keep showing and, the rest of the family, right? Yeah. And, and uh, 20 years ago, I sold one of them, a thousand dollars. Wow. Wow. Good for you. <laughs> so, anyway, and you know, as they say, Andy Warhol, everybody has their 15 minutes of fame. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Right, well, thank you. Now. <laughs> uh, there's pictures of the seven dwarfs from some uh, actual cell uh, work, apparently. Um, and then there's a picture of Walt and Roy when they were here uh, with a bunch of kids. I mean, there's a lot of really neat stuff in the decor. Uh, got a lot of railroad theme and parts of it where it's got pictures of the Santa Fe Railroad, which is kind of a big deal around here. Uh, there's pictures of the museum before it became the museum. Uh, lots of neat stuff. You can get order pie here. But anyways, I'm going to go over some of this menu here. Uh, I think I'm going to keep it simple and just get myself a cheeseburger, really. Uh, I wonder what all this comes with. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Oh, oh, here comes somebody to clean the table. Hello. Trying to think what I ordered last time and if I want to do something different. Oh, okay. Well, our special is Reuben and buffalo chips with your drink for 59 mm -hmm. And then if you're soup hunger, I have vegetable beef or chili. Hmm. Can I start you something to drink while you're looking? That's a good idea. Let's see. Uh, hmm. I guess the only thing really refillable is probably the fountain soda. I don't think the lemonade is not refillable, is it? Yes, tea, anything but um, bottle drinks or milk. Okay. Well, gee. Um... Would you like to have a lemonade start out? Yeah, I think so. Okay. We'll go with that lemonade because it's really hot. Yeah, sure. Okay. Thank you. All right, so we're going to drink some lemonade because on a hot day, I crave lemonade, even though it's going to be a little sugary. So, I think so. Yeah, the special sounds good. I wonder what I can do with a combo thing here. So, hmm. Oh, cool. A uh, placemat here. Sometimes they've had placemats that uh, uh, have, like... Like recreations of newsprint of different events around town. Uh, this one's just a plain one today. Hmm. But uh, I'm gonna make a decision and uh, I'll come back. I think I got this figured out. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna keep it simple. We'll get the cheeseburger and then some cheese sticks. They're not a big fry eater, but if these are like mozzarella sticks, I'm gonna be happy as anything. All right. <laughs> Do you want everything on the side of cheeseburger? Lettuce, tomatoes, onions, pickles? Uh, probably not the onions. Unfortunately, I can't eat onions anymore. Oh. They do bad things to me. Uh oh. <laughs> All right. And you want um, to dip your mozzarella sticks? I have marinara or ranch. Uh, go with some marinara, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I probably won't dip them, you. but sometimes you get the gumption like I want some marinara. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. So yes, now I'm gonna sit here and wait. Uh, if there's any things I think of I should report back, I'll record some more. Okay, so my food just arrived. And uh, yeah, I, I'm happy to see the sides arrived actually at the same time as the hamburger so I can eat it all together. Uh, normally you go to a restaurant, you order a side or an appetizer, or sometimes you know, they'll bring out an appetizer first, but since uh, the mozzarella sticks are considered to be a side, uh, I got it all together, and that's kind of fun. Um, it looks like I get to put whatever I want on here. So on the table here, we have some ketchup and whatnot. Um, should have asked for some mayonnaise, but that's okay. A little ketchup. 
Alrighty. And I, this counts as health food because it has vegetables on it. There's lettuce. It's even more crowded now than it was before. Mm, this is really good. Mm. They cook everything just right here. I mean, it's really what you would want, like a hometown comfort food. Uh, so, I mean, it's perfectly made, you know. Almost like what you would make at home, only it's, it's restaurant quality. A good hamburger. Feels like you take a bite of most roast. It's everything. It's rotten. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so whenever I take a bite, they always ask me a question. Mm. I meant to take a bite of my grill stick, but I'm going to my hamburger again. I suppose I could sample one without the, multi the marinara sauce, but I'm going to try one with marinara first. So I get the full experience of the mozzarella sticks. Mmm. They're not oily. A lot of places you go, you get your uh, cheese steaks or mozzarella sticks, and they fry them up in oil, and it comes out very oily, like at uh, like Arby's. I've gotten some very oily ones from Arby's. Um, I think Sonic I've gotten them, and they've been kind of oily, but these appear like they're baked. And they're very, I mean, the cheese is nice and gooey. They're perfectly crisp. Uh, really tasty. Probably good without the marinara sauce, but sometimes you just feel like marinara sauce. Definitely a very, very good meal. They have a special here called a Dusty Miller. That is like an ice cream with some malt powder. Um, I think I told uh, Dr. Jeff Barnes about it. Hopefully he got, yeah, I think he did try one out when he was here. I did see the museum, a couple of his books were there. In paperback form, which I probably mentioned already when I was in there. Mm, I'm gonna eat my lunch now. Alright, so there's lunch completed. Now, something I had not realized when I was checking out is uh, I got to talk a little bit to Malvik as I was paying for my lunch. And uh, the first year I came here was in 2010, and that's actually was the first year Malvik's was open. So I actually came here at Toonfest and ate here in its first year. Uh, so I had not realized that, but that's a pretty nice detail. And I've been every time I come to Toonfest, this is where I have my lunch. Uh, and it's, oh, it was good. And a Dusty Miller, I had to have one at the end of my meal. I got a small one, but it is a really nice little ice cream with like chocolate syrup on it, some malt powder, whipped cream, and a cherry, and it is so good. And I even recommended it to Jeff Barnes when he was here. So make sure you have a Dusty Miller at Mavic's before you go. And because uh, if anyone who uh, follows Jeff Barnes, you remember Dr. Barnes wrote uh, The Wisdom of Walt and Beyond the Wisdom of Walt, uh, he really likes ice cream, and on his Facebook page, he has frequently taken photos of himself with with ice cream and will put it with the quote of, in my defense. So he always justifies his ice cream. But you don't need justification. It's ice cream. All right, so now I'm standing outside Walt Disney Elementary. They renamed an elementary school in Walt Disney's honor. Uh, it's not exactly the same school that he went through. Um, I forgot what, I think it was called the Park School was the one he went. Uh, they do have the desk, they own it here at this school. Um, 
during the summertime, I think it is, they have the desk over at the museum, but uh, the rest of the time it's on display here at this school. Uh, the school was dedicated in 1959. Uh, Walt did a couple of things. Uh, when you can get up here, you can see the floor here when you go through the main entrance has a little uh, Mickey head. It kind of encircled, and it, it, it kind of mirrors the what's in, at the parks. If you can imagine that on the floor with a classic style Mickey head and circles. There's also a lot of characters drawn on little uh, wood plaque things that are run down the hall. There's a lot of murals and things painted on the gymnasium walls. Also, Walt donated some playground equipment to the school, and also this was one of the two locations other than in Disneyland at his apartment that Walt wanted to have the orange Mickey Mouse flag. He wanted one in Disneyland and one here. Uh, it has been replicated in some other places since then. They have the original flag actually at the museum. I've never actually gotten to go inside the school. The weird thing is there's a lot of cars parked out here. And I don't know if that's people parked for Toonfest or if there's something going on at the school. Maybe I'd, I'd be able to walk inside. Uh, but I'm going to walk out here to the flagpole. Uh, which this flagpole, I think, was from an Olympics. Let me read it here. Flagpole says, This official Olympic flagpole was used at Squaw Valley, California in the pageantry ceremonies of the 8th Olympic Winter Games held in February 18th through the 28th, 1960. Walt Disney, Chairman of Pageantry. So he brought the pole and even flew a Disneyland orange Mickey Mouse flag at the school. Although he didn't actually attend this one. Like I said, he went to Park Elementary but they do have his desk here. But yeah, I always like to visit the school. Uh, one of these days I'd love to be able to go inside and look at the murals, but it's a Saturday, nobody's here, except for all these cars, which is rather mysterious. Now I'm in the Walt Disney Municipal Park. Uh, this, well, there's a lot of different things around here, but the main thing is this is where the swimming pool used to be. When they built that swimming pool, that is one of the first times that Walt returned as an adult. Uh, they notified Walt that they would like to name the swimming pool after him. And Walt says, well, if you're going to name it after me, I want to be there when you dedicate it. So Walt uh, did come out. He stayed over at Inez Johnson's house with her husband, Rush, and little Kay Mallins when she was a little girl. Inez, you heard her voice earlier. I ran into her at the museum. I've run into Kay a couple of times and said hello. Uh, I think Kay has been on. Yeah, Kay was on the show, I think, maybe my first season. If you go back and listen. Uh, also, I've got a recording of Inez, which I've probably inserted into the show by now when I took a brief tour with her and heard some of her stories. Um, but they stayed over at their house because they had central air. And so there's a really also great photograph of uh, a bunch of boys running to get into the water from the pool. Uh, the pool here, unfortunately, they could not maintain anymore. So just a couple years ago, they had to close down the pool. Uh, I do see some vehicles parked over by the pool, though, at the building. That's interesting. I wonder what they're parked there for. Uh, it's also, though, in this park that the Midget Autopia used to exist. And at one time, I did walk the path of it. It has since been completely torn out. And they're right now trying to rebuild the path over by the museum. They're not going to actually rebuild the ride because that would be expensive to maintain if they had cars running on it. But if they could put the path up and, and uh, there was these awnings or whatever where you'd, you'd line up for it where there's a queue, they want to put those back in place. And so you can imagine what it was. To, you know, this was the first Disneyland ride that actually left the park and was set up to be ridden somewhere else other than, than Disneyland. Uh, so it's a very, very great historical thing. Uh, you've, if you've been listening to me for a long time, you've heard it mentioned and heard it talked about. Uh, but I've now left the park. 
I have one last destination to visit uh, before I leave Marceline for today. Alright, so I'm on my last location. Well, I'm on my way to the last location in my tour here. Oh wait, this sign's new. What's this sign say? This sign... Oh, well, it just shows what it is. The Disney Family Farm. Oh, okay. Wall Streaming Tree Site and Disney Family Barn Site. And there's a new symbol, and I bought a magnet of this at the museum. This is a new sign. It says it's open 365 days a year, dawn till dusk, free to the public. Maintained by the volunteers of the Walt Disney Hometown Museum, regularly patrolled by the Marceline Police Department. Reminder, this property is privately owned. Please treat this piece of Disney history with the respect it deserves. Admittance is granted thanks to the owner's generosity. And it is. Thank you, Kay Mallins, for allowing us to come out here and see where the Dreaming Tree used to stand. We can see son or daughter, whatever you want to call it, Disney Tree Junior, who uh, is out here, the Dreaming Tree. Uh, there's a sign up here. Wow, they've done a lot of new stuff out here. I like this. So I'll have more signs to be able to read for you so you can get an idea of where I'm at. Uh, but this is a nice, quiet area. There's a lot of trees. and uh, This used to be farmland, though. Uh, this was part of Elias Disney's farm, where Walt would sit out in there and entertain Ruth while Roy and his other brothers, well, the brothers that stuck around with the farm, some of them had left, uh, but uh, they worked the farm. All right, so here we go. So, yeah, they do call it the Son of Dreaming Tree. And it says, this Dreaming Tree sapling was planted September 20, 2004 by Bradford Disney Lund and Walt Disney World Ambassadors. Sarah Spike, Juan Aviles, Aviles I'm not sure, uh, and Christopher Stewart, sorry if I got your name wrong, Juan, who brought soil from the Magic Kingdom and the water from the rivers of America to be added to the soil on the Disney farm for the planting ceremony. And there's another sign. This tree gets bigger every year I come here, I swear. Coming to Marshalline, it says, it says Elias purchased 45 acres in Marshalline from his brother Robert at a price of $125 an acre, promising installment payments with money he was to receive for houses in Chicago that Flora had designed and he had built. In the spring of 1906, the Disney family packed up their belongings and moved to Marshalline. And there's, they've got a nice fence over here, and there's a big sign, and it says the original dreaming tree, which I think you can see some of the remains on the other side of the fence. And there's a nice picture of Walt and Roy where Walt came back to the tree and was remembering the tree. Uh, in 1906, Elias Disney purchased the William Crane Farm located on the outskirts of Marceline, Missouri. The entire family was enlisted by Elias and Flora to help maintain the farm, tasking a young Walt with the responsibility of keeping an eye on his little sister Ruth. Walter and Ruth would often escape to this very location, where they would find solitude under the dappled leaves of a majestic cottonwood tree that Walt would later nickname his Dreaming Tree. Ruth would often recall the fun time she shared with her big brother as they climbed amidst the sturdy branches and played in the cool, tall grass under this intrinsic part of their very unique Midwest childhood. Elias rarely encouraged his youngest son to pursue his passion for drawing, never imagining that art would provide the basis for a well-paying career. Luckily, his very observant aunt Margaret noticed a spark of artistic promise in her young nephew. Every visit, Margaret would covertly provide Walter with Big Chief drawing tablets and a steady supply of sharpened pencils. This visionary gift gave Walt the ability to quietly lie beneath his beloved dreaming tree and slowly hone his craft. Walt Disney often credited this exact location as the birthplace of his creativity. And there's a couple of did you know facts down here. 
Did you know? A total of three saplings were produced by seeds harvested from the original Dreaming Tree. In 2003, one of those saplings was planted by Walt's grandson, Bradford Disney Lund, not more than 30 feet from this very location, and I already read the sign. A second sapling was gifted to Disneyland and was planted on Tom Sawyer's Island. The third, third seedling was secretly planted somewhere on the Disney family farm to ensure its historic legacy. And there's another did you know over here. It says, did you know cottonwood trees have a typical lifespan of between 70 to 100 years? Walt's dreaming tree lived to be over 120 years before it was struck by lightning in 2008. The remains of that historic tree eventually blew over during a fierce windstorm on May 28, 2015. Walt's dreaming tree was officially registered as a historic tree by American Forests. And I'm wondering if I should get a photo. I've got a photo set that's coming very, very soon uh, that you'll see. And I've been taking some little secret photos. I'm here, but I don't know that uh, I've got a good spot here. Uh, but be prepared. I've got actually a project from school that uh, I need to do some social media promotion. And so there's going to be a lot of posts coming up here starting September 25th. And some of it will be something fun that I've been working on while I'm here that I will continue to work on back in Kansas City. But I'm continuing to walk to my right. You can see where the house is. And then there's a little walkway that goes off to the left. And there's a series of signs along the walkway. As an adult, Walt wrote, To tell the truth, more things of importance happened to me in Marceline than have happened to me since, since or are likely to in the future. Often he drew upon farm life for stories and characters that became world famous through animated cartoons seen in theaters and on television. And I continue the walk. In 1949, Walt Disney released the film So Dear to My Heart, which takes place in the early 1900s, the same period as Walt's childhood. In the movie, one of the structures on the farm was a barn. It was a set designed and built according to Walt's recollection of his family's barn in Marceline. Walt Disney was the age of four when his family moved from Chicago to a 40-acre farm in Marceline. Walt quickly learned to love farm life, and the old barn became his and his younger sister Ruth's favorite place to play. The barn provided Walt with his first show business experience when he produced a barn circus and charged the neighborhood kids a dime admission. When his audience discovered the circus consisted of a goat, a pig, and the family dog, and a cat dressed in Ruth's doll clothes, they protested. Hearing the commotion, Walt's mother, Flora, promptly ordered Walt to refund the admission with this admonishment. If you deliver more than your audience expects, they will never be disappointed. It's a lesson that Walt took to heart. Oh, I think somebody left their keys behind. What is this? There's a key secured onto this. Uh, is it a secured to the sign or just laying here? It's, yeah, just, uh-oh. <laughs> what? Anyways, it, this sign here says the happy place. In 1950, Walt recreated the barn for Marceline at his home in California and used it as his personal workshop. It became his happy place and became the birthplace of Disney Imagineering. And as I walk now past that sign, you can hear some bugs. Very natural type of area that Walt would have gained his love for the natural world and conservation. I approach the barn. And I'm going to go inside. And uh, there's a nice little gravel walk up. It's, um, I guess, you know, pretty much a re recreation uh, of exactly what it, it was. The swag roof in the barn, or the swag in the barn roof is intentional. Walt wanted his barn to be fun and unique. Alrighty. Oh, and there are people in here. So when you hear voices, that's them. 
but uh, I will be quiet because I don't want to disturb other people. But uh, people have signed their names all over in this barn on the walls. They used to have a Sharpie around here that you could write your name. Some people tried to draw Mickey heads and things like that. And I myself have written my name multiple times around here and even signed it up for the Neverland podcast. There's also a marking here for WTTM was here. Uh, that, I believe, was done by Patrick Hurd, and I wrote right next to it, the Neverland Podcast. Yeah, there it is. Thanks, Walt. Patrick Hurd, 2008. So, yeah, you, I think I've gotten somewhere where I've written my name, and I've put a year up for every time. But uh, I couldn't quite reach it anymore. You also find places where people signed on that were uh, some of the artists that had come to town. And they're, they're almost out of space, so it's starting to go up the uh, top of the ceiling of the archway. And I don't know how some of these people managed to reach some of these. Uh, I never could find where I signed my own name uh, somewhere nearby. But I did in my scrawl of bad handwriting in a not real working pen write the Neverland podcast on the wall right near the WTTM for Window to the Magic. The fun part is, if I go over to one of the other walls, uh, somewhere is Lou Mangello has... There it is. WDW Radio was here on 8-11-05. Pretty sure that was Lou Mangiello. I don't know who else would have written it. So, oh, very cool. There's Plan WDW was here on 7-12-15. I wonder if it's Plan Tunes. I don't know. I might know who that is, but I don't know. There's a big plaque here for D23 Fan Club as well. That's interesting. Very nice plaque. I don't remember seeing that there before. Looks like a newer board. I wonder if that was done during the event that happened that I missed. Because, yeah, it's a nice, clean board compared to everything else, and uh, there's a lot of signatures on it, and I think it was people who were here for that event. Very cool. Yeah, I wish I could have been here for that. Uh, it was expensive, though. I couldn't afford to do it. But, yeah, here it is. Uh, I'll make sure I get a photo of that and share it with y'all. But this is my last stop right here in Marshalline for Toonfest 2018. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true.
Airline Podcast. We love you. Yay! <laughs> Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.